Alright y'all Keys stay So be open minded That's why I have to say You might not like it But it's real So listen up Yo, ever since 911, it's been murder for lies. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Episode 11 of the Whistling in the Dark podcast. I'm Patrick Bradley, and I'm recording this on July 7th, 2018, down in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I think I'm going to probably mostly go through new stuff today. Uh, I, I was, uh, I'm a little late. But I, I was thinking about talking a bit about um, July 4th. And, um, you know, I, uh, the, the, uh, the libertarian sort of take on July 4th and uh, just, you know, what, what the sort of, you know, events back there, Declaration of Independence, all that stuff, you know, what it, uh, what it sort of means. And, you know, I think that, well, I guess we'll just talk about it real quick. Um, I think that, you know, the right or the conservative take is pretty often, you know, uh, like the, you know, make America great or whatever, that, you know, this this was like a great thing and, uh, you know, the founding of our country and, you know, it's this, you know, new new sort of form of government or whatever. And uh, in that, you know, we want to get back to that. And, uh, you know, the liberal uh, take on it is that, you know, it was a bunch of rich white men and, you know, super racist and, you know, women had no rights and, you know, and it was, it was terrible. So, you know, if you allow the narrative to be created that there's only left and right, then your choices are between, uh, you know, a sort of free, freer republic, like, you know, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, I, I don't know, like a libertarian light or something, you could say, uh, back in the, you know, the early days of uh, the United States. Um, you know, you can choose that, but then, you know, you're racist and you're sexist, or you have to choose some sort of form of, you know, welfare state or socialism, um, but then, you know, you can avoid the, the label of being, you know, raci racist and sexist. Um, yeah, and I, and I don't really know how they deal with, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it doesn't need to be logically consistent. Uh, I mean, it definitely isn't logically consistent. Um, but what, you know, you have somebody like Candace Owens, a black woman that's a conservative. I mean, that, you know. I don't think that she can be racist and sexist. And uh, I guess maybe they could claim that she's just out for her own personal gain or something. But, you know, um, it's, uh, the you know, the little bit I've uh, watched of hers or, you know, seen her. I mean, she seems pretty genuine. I'm, I mean, she kind of just started putting up some videos and they got popular and I, I don't think that her narrative, you know, changed or whatever. So, you know, that's, that's kind of tough. I mean, I, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, uh, people, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like percentage wise, but the, you know, 
out of the, you know, whatever, I, I don't even know exactly how many African-Americans are in the United States, but somewhere like 30, 50 million, um, you know, there's certainly millions that are conservative. Um, you know, I don't think they are all just like sellouts that are, uh, you know, just out for their own personal gain by calling them, you know, by voting for Trump or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not sure how they make sense. You know, I don't know what name you call that person, you know, um, when, you know, the the left sort of their, their big club. I mean, the big club that they're beating uh, conservatives over the head with uh, for the last, you know, couple of years is definitely the racist, you know, racist club um again like the sort of sexist or misogynist thing is i mean there's a lot of females that vote you know republican so i'm not i I cannot quite sure you know what what they call what name they call them i think that they probably just stick to just racist so you know But anyway, you know, you get to like a Hispanic or an Asian uh, or an African-American voting Republican. You know, I think it becomes pretty tough to beat them over the head with the racist club. Um, I mean, I guess they can, you know, you know, Asians certainly can be racist against white people or African-Americans. I don't know. But, you know, like I said, doesn't have to be logically consistent. And in fact, it definitely isn't. Um, But anyway, so that's kind of like. You know, if you if you, you know, leave the narrative to Fox News and CNN or Huffington Post or whatever, you know, that's pretty much what you're left with. And as a libertarian, you know, as usual, we sort of disagree with everybody. And, um, you know, I think that to me, um, the you know, independence of the United States or whatever happened here. I mean, it's such a mixed bag. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to even, I mean, first of all, like the, I mean, the founding of the country, like you want to just call it like good or bad, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's, it's not that simple, you know, maybe it's and fucking hugely complex event that occurred or, you know, just chain of events, you know, um, that like spider web through history. And, you know, maybe there's a lot of good and a lot of bad. Um, and you know, maybe from some people's perspective, it, it really is bad and other people's it's good. And, you know, I mean, clearly like for, for the most part, right. It's bad for the American Indians, you know, any exploitation of this by like people from Western Europe, um, you know, it basically almost wiped them out and, and certainly, you know, uh, resulted in the loss of an immense amount of, you know, wealth and property. Um, so, you know, that's bad. And I, you know, um, I, I don't know that you can really, um, if you're just talking about like, are you going to be patriotic on July 4th or not? You know, I mean, I think it's like, you can't really separate that out. So, um, in that sense, so, you know, but if you're, if you're asking me, you know, about the sort of 
you know, a United States declaring its independence and becoming a country and sort of instituting the government that it did. Um, yeah, I mean, that, you know, that part is good. I mean, it, it you know, uh, I, I had, uh, Dave, or Peter Schiff was talking recently about, you know, his little, his take on July 4th and, um, you know, he was saying, uh, I can't remember exactly what he was saying, but he was just talking about how, you know, just relatively young the United States is. And, you know, it, it, um, it was just making me think of just how sort of really unbelievable that, you know, for, you know, however many thousands of years of civilization, you know, human civilization, I mean, I guess you could even go back to like Mesopotamia, uh, you know, so I don't know, maybe there's like 5,000 years, you know, in Egypt and, you know, and during that time and certainly, you know, the, uh, Chinese, uh, cultures were rising up and, you know, you've Greeks and Romans and then, you know, all, all this stuff in Europe and, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it's like not just like a sliver of history, like, you know, the, the United States uh, or the whole, you know, American continent just like wasn't literally on the map. And, uh, and then it, it goes from that. And then, you know, within a hundred years, you know, uh, I mean, by, well, I mean, 1887, I mean, the United States was, was very, very wealthy and very powerful. I mean, uh, you know, we, we weren't maybe involved militarily all around the world, you know, but I would assume, uh, by 1887, we were probably the wealthiest country in the world. Um, and I mean, a hundred years, you know, and to me that that is really, you know, maybe, maybe it also, you know, sort of rode on the back of some kind of technological developments that also allowed for, you know, economic, you know, easier generation of wealth and everything. But, you know, it, it's hard to argue that it really took a foothold here and, and, you know, the effect was, was greatest here. And, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, like since, since, uh, you know, July 4th, 1776, like a lot of monarchies have fallen. And, you know, obviously, you know, I sort of rail on this, on this podcast, every episode about the failings of them. But, you know, um, I, I would say that like mob rule in a democracy is, is preferable to a monarch, uh, you know, a single person, you know, rule or some sort of, you know, dictatorship. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that in a lot of sense, you know, a lot of ways has gotten better and certainly, you know, economic free freedom, you know, from July 4th, 1776, you know, to now has, has increased immensely. Um, you know, so, so all that stuff is good. And then, you know, and then clearly the, you know, the sort of the existence of, of slavery, uh, back then. And, you know, the sort of weird exclusion of it. Um, actually, I wanted to bring this up. Frederick Douglass had, uh, I saw, uh, July 4th speech he gave. Um, so, uh, you know, was, was certainly, um, not good. And, you know, it kind of that, 
logically inconsistent sort of thing, you know, resulting in literal enslavement of, of black people. Um, but the, uh, you know, and uh, I, I saw this, there's somebody had posted this, you know, uh, about, you know, July 4th, it's actually this comedian I follow on, on, uh, Instagram, Tony Baker. He does really funny voiceover stuff. Um, like animal videos and stuff but he also like posts kind of like stupid political statements but this one was actually kind of interesting um so what to the slave is the fourth of july is an untitled speech originally given by frederick Douglass on july 5th 1852 he gave this speech to the ladies anti-slavery association in corinthian hall in rochester a city that was a center of abolitionist activities this fourth of july is yours not mine you may rejoice i must mourn and then he asked them do you mean citizens to mock me by asking me to speak today i don't think he means you mean citizens like you guys are mean he, he's asking is the you know the purpose of you asking me to to speak today is to mock me. So he says, what to the American, this is the, I guess this is probably the most famous section of it. What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty an unholy license, your national greatness swelling vanity, your sound of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciation of tyrants brass-fronted impudence, your shout of liberty and equality hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of the United States at this very hour. Um, so... Pretty heavy words from Frederick Douglass in 1852 on July 4th. Uh, so, you know, you, 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 you can't ignore that that's, you know, part of it as well, you know. And, um, and to me, I think it's like, okay, yeah, we like the more freedom. We like no monarchs. Uh, we dislike that it's not, you know, that it's, not for all people that this freedom is granted, you know, not to black people and, you know, not to women, um, uh, you know, in its entirety, you know, back then either. Um, so that's just kind of my 4th of July take, you know, uh, I mean, I, you know, I think that a problem with the, uh, yeah, I had, I had a buddy of mine, he said one time that, Sometimes he feels like, you know, being a libertarian, it's like you feel like you're you're almost like a lawyer or something, you know, like you you're so, you know, you have these just like really kind of um the these positions where you sort of have to like argue them based on like these certain principles and you know, it's kind of complicated and it's never just sort of like this easy answer, you know, that that like the left or right, right? They just want to go shout 
that, you know, nobody's illegal or, you know, whatever. I don't even know what the the uh, conservatives are shouting these days. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it, it's sort of like we never have the luxury of that, right? Except, uh, hey, anti-war, right? Anti-war, anti-drugs. I mean, they are pretty simple, you know? It's just that they're getting them through these these lenses of of you know CNN and Huffington Post and Fox News which you know kind of like sort of seasons the sim- simple non-aggression idea that we would use you know with all this other complexity and and uh you know uh, and and just like a like a lot of lies too, you know, I mean, just like a lot of bullshit and, uh, you know, like basically like, uh, Oh, you know, you, you know, unless you like support our troops, you know, you're, you're like anti-American or something like that. And it's like, man, you know, I mean, it's such like a loaded statement. It's so, and it's just sort of, it's so incorrect, right? Like, I mean, what is support? Like, you know, what they're, you know, like they say the words, like you support our troops, but what they want is you to say that, you know, you are for attacking these other countries. You know, I, I mean, what's, what's more, what more support could you give for our troops and saying, I want them out of combat. I want them safe and sound home in the United States with their family and friends and loved ones. You know, that's how much I support them. I don't want them, you know, kicking down doors in Yemen and, and, you know, starving out, you know, women and children and innocent people over there, you know, Anyway, so um, so that's the you know that's my sort of July Fourth take is that you know I uh, while you know certainly you know again like the the big difference is that you know um, I mean I think the differences between us and the liberal you know sort of average liberal person is more about you know economic philosophy, um, but you know I think as far as you know where their heart is. Uh, you know, wanting better things for the poor and middle class, sort of focusing on that. And I mean, I feel like deep down in their gut, they are anti-war and generally like pretty friendly to legalization of drugs and everything like that, you know. Um, but our obviously our differences there are, are, you know, sort of more on the economic solutions to that. And that we believe that, you know, the free market can is the best way to serve, you know, these problems and fix them. Um and in fact, the state is at the heart of most of them, certainly making them really bad. Not like there wouldn't be poor people, but I think that there's a lot more poor people because of the government. You know, I don't think the government's pre- pre- like preventing some of this, you know, um, they're just keeping people, poor people, poor in perpetuity. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Republicans... Um, or the conservatives, you know, I think that on the surface, it sounds like we're more aligned with them, you know, economically. And, um, I think the, the best way that I've heard it, and I want to credit it to Dave Smith. I know I I've said this in a previous uh, episode and is that, you know, the, 
the big difference between being conservative and libertarian, um, sort of at just a high level, is they are looking to the past and we're looking to the future. You know, they're looking to go back to that time and they sort of want to brush under the rug, you know, the genocide of, you know, the American Indians, enslavement of millions of black people. Uh, and, you know, we don't want to do that. You know, it's, it's like, okay, to sort of look back and take the good and leave the bad and say, okay, so, you know, this sort of small government thing seemed like a big improvement. Obviously we, you know, would like to go all the way to no government. Um, but you know, small government, but with the freedoms applied to all human beings, you know, that's cool. And that's never been tried, you know, that's not our past, you know? So, um, you know, I think that's, that's like a, a big difference there. So, but it is July 7th. So we're moving on. And I was taking a little, little gander at the news and, uh, Man, it's all the same headline uh, across the board, pretty much. North Korea, so starting with Huffington Post, North Korea calls talks regrettable after the U.S. says progress was made. Um, MSNBC, after Pompeo departs, North Korea calls talks with the U.S. regrettable. CNN, North Korea calls latest talks regrettable. <laughs> so they're in lockstep. These talks were called regrettable by North Korea. And Fox News has cancerous demands as their top uh, sort of graphic. North Korea accuses U.S. of pressuring country to abandon nukes, but Pompeo calls the trip productive. Um so anyway, uh, it's funny how, you know, Huffington Post, CNN, MSNBC, you know, they find their way to, uh, you know, report on what's happening in North Korea when they can find some way to like, you know, when it can actually be a negative headline. Uh, so this is what uh, HuffPost says, North Korea called the denuclearization talks with the U.S. regrettable on Saturday, hours after the U.S., Delegation head, Secretary of State Pompeo, told reporters progress had been made on the main issues. The statement by the country's official KCNA news agency accused the U.S. of betraying the spirit of the historic June 12th summit um, by pressing for unilateral and irreversible denuclearization over the two days of talks in Pyongyang, the AP reported. The isolated nation might now waver in its firm, steadfast resolution to give up its nuclear program, it said. Pompeo had previously offered a more optimistic view of the talks, which were held with top North Korean party official and former spy chief Kim Jong-chol. These are complicated issues, but we made progress on almost all the central issues, Pompeo said. According to a pool report, which I'm not sure what a pool a pool report is, uh, some places a great deal of progress. Other places there's still more work to be done. 
Reuters reported that talks covered methods of destroying a missile engine testing facility as well as general denuclearization timeline. The U.S. envoy did not meet with North Korea's leader during this round of talks, but the U.S. State Department said he arrived bearing a letter from Trump addressed to Kim Jong-un. Pompeo said North Korean leadership remained equally committed to the goal of denuclearization discussed with Trump during last month's historic summit in Singapore. He noted, however, there are things that I have to clarify, Reuters Reuters reported. Kim responded that there are things that I have to clarify as well. (laughs) American envoy stopped in Tokyo. That's great. Um... Two sides are offering mixed messages on North Korea denuclearization. Okay, so that's that. So they, you know, um, MSNBC is a video, so I'm not going to get into that. Uh, okay. We have many hours of product. So this is CNN. God, I hate CNN. North Korea poured cold water on the talk, saying the attitude of the U.S. was regrettable and not in the spirit of the summit. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, anyway, so... Yeah, the... uh, so whatever it's um hey but they are they're in a room talking and although you know the liberal obviously is going to try uh liberal media is gonna try to paint it in a really really bad light um you know you have to admit that it's better now than it's ever been uh in our lifetime, oh my god, these fucking auto-playing ads are bananas. Not surprised that Fox News is not above putting auto-playing video with sound on every fucking page you look at. Uh, so let's just see how Fox spins it. So North Korea at Saturday has accused the U.S. of undermining the spirit of last month's summit between Trump and Un. What it says were... After what it says were regrettable talks with a delegation led by Secretary of State Pompeo, a statement by the North Korean Foreign Ministry accused the U.S. of trying to unilaterally pressure the country into ban- abandoning nuclear weapons came shortly after uh, Pompeo left. We had expected the U.S. side would offer more constructive measures that would help build trust based on the spirit of the leader's summit. We were also thinking about providing reciprocal measures. Pompeo's foreign ministry said in a statement, according to the AP, um, however, the attitude and stance the United States showed in the first high-level meeting was no doubt regrettable. Uh, Man, they are really (laughs) pounding that regrettable word home. Uh, I don't know if there's anything really different here. Pompeo did not meet. Uh huh. Um, theme will be meeting on July 12th. Repatriation about repatriation of the remains of U.S. soldiers. 
But the North Korean statement said that the unilateral demands on CVID complete, verified, and irreversible denuclearization were very concerning, and that has led them to dangerous phase that might rattle our willingness for denuclearization that had been firm. Um, yeah, anyway, so um, not surprising that there's some weird stuff coming out there. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, so, I mean, what's the, oh yeah, th this was the, this was the thing. And so, so I opened Huffington Post first and the, the top thing, right? So half of the website is just a giant picture with Trump in the middle and it says American misogynist. Um, so just in case you wondered if you, if you had any doubts as to like, if there was political leanings to Huffington Post, you know, well, there you go. And, um, you know, I, I wonder, uh, oh, I do, I do have Reuters here. So, you know, like I last, uh, last episode, I, I felt like really sort of bummed, um, like just like looking at this news and I just felt like, you know, what's the point of just keeping reading this crap over and over, you know, it's like, it's obvious that, you know, CNN, Huffington Post, MSNBC, Fox News are absolutely un, unable to honestly deliver news, right? Like, I mean, that's that's definitely true. And, uh, you know, and, and then the really depressing thing, because it's like, who cares, right? Okay, so like, let's say you look at some tabloid, right? People know it's not true, and it doesn't really affect anything. And I, maybe there's some people that you know, some small percentage. But the problem with this is these are the main sources of news. Like, I think we looked at it last uh, last episode, most, tra let's see, traffic news websites. Um, so Yahoo and Google News are the highest. Um, Huffington. So, I mean, Huffington Post is next. CNN's after that. New York Times, you know. So, I mean, Yahoo News, uh, I mean, we can look at it real quick, but I, I feel like yeah, Yahoo News is more of like you kind of decide. Uh, it's almost more of an aggregator. Um. So Scott Pruitt, uh, I don't know who this is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd have to look at it a little bit. Um, it seems nearly impossible to me that like people are literally going to yahoo.com slash news. There's probably some like website that, I don't know, um, Google News. Again, like, you know, I have the Google News app. I mean, it's you, you definitely like customize it. So it's not, it's, I mean, the Google... Google is not a news outlet, right? I mean, and Yahoo is not, like, they're not writing articles. So, I mean, everything in here is just linked out, you know? The top, what's the top, of course. Uh, what's the top article on Yahoo News? It's from Huffington Post. So, if you don't do any configuration, uh, the top news on, on uh, 
Yahoo News is from Huffington Post. The top headline, it's a little bit sort of uh, grouped together, is North Korea calls U.S. stance uh, latest talks regrettable on Google. But it's from the Wall Street Journal, and then they have Fox News, CNN uh, links to that, CNBC. Some about that. There's some people trapped in a cave. They show that a lot. Um, ignore the dog sitting family Friday's hearing gave a glimpse of how many kids might be orphaned by family separation. So, you know, anyway, so I, I'd say we, you know, we could ignore Yahoo and Google, right? Um, they're, they're only bringing, they're only aggregating other sources. So that really the number one news source in the world, I guess, is Huffington Post. Uh, so, and then number two is CNN. And all they do is call, I mean, so the number one thing seen across the world, if you had to pick one thing, it's American misogynist with a giant picture of Donald Trump. So, you know, that's the message. I mean, I, uh, there was a, um, there was some video like this, these kids, they were like 16 year old kids in San Antonio. They were out, they had a mag, like one kid, his buddy had a MAGA hat on, uh, and it was 4th of July or whatever. And some, uh, like a 30 year old, uh, guy with like, I think he's ex con. He had a, he had a pretty long, uh, rap sheet. It turns out uh Hispanic guy, but pretty sure he is not, he wasn't like illegal or anything. It was just a Hispanic guy living in San Antonio, which is, you know, a large portion, but you know, big, big dude, 30 years old. He walked over, he took the hat off the kid's head and th took their soda and threw it in their face. And, you know, I don't know, yelled at them or something. Uh, I think he said he's going to burn this in his fireplace. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I was just sort of like following it a little bit, seeing the conversation and, uh, you know, people were, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some people like that were just like, oh, well, whatever. He shouldn't be wearing that hat, you know, and like, you know, people, most people I feel like were just kind of like, <laughs> you can't like assault a fucking minor, man. Like, you know, just like you're fucking twice their age, you know, like get your shit together and um and somebody but like i heard like somebody making the uh comparison to maga or saying that a maga hat is just one notch below wearing a swastika hat you know and it's like you know if you don't like if you're listening to this podcast, like you're probably not somebody that's going every morning to Huffington Post or CNN or MSNBC, you know? So it's like, I, I would think that, you know, that would be pretty shocking, you know, because you're sort of, because you're not propagandized on a regular basis to believe that about him. Uh, like you probably just don't think that, like you probably think like, you know, all right. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to put him past Donald Trump that he's a misogynist or whatever. You know what I mean? Like the guy's like, I'm not saying he's like good guy, but like fucking Hitler wasn't a misogynist. You know what I mean? Like he was a fucking mass murderer. He's a genocidal maniac, like quite literally, you know, and there 
The closest thing that the U.S. does to that is over in the Middle East. And, you know, for the eight years prior to Donald Trump, that was led by their Lord and Savior, Barack Obama. You know what I mean? So, like, I would I would say that, like, you know, I mean, okay, give Trump eight years and maybe his body count's just as high as Obama's. But right now, it's not even fucking close, right? Like, not even close. You know, and then you put Bush and Obama together and now you're in the millions of people. Literally millions of people. And, like, the, you know, like, World War, like, you think, like, World War II... And, you know, obviously fucking, you know, tens of millions of people died. I You may push into the uh, like a hundred million or something. But, you know, you look at like Europe and, and Germany in general, like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not like that far off. I mean, uh, you know, in, in magnitude and, and in an absolute like destruction of a like, uh, you know, a, a fucking, con- I mean, uh, I don't know if the Middle East is like, it's not really a continent, but, you know, like a, a pretty well-defined like area. I mean, the whole fucking thing is fucked up. Like the whole, every country there, you know, like people can't like, you talk about like, you know, poor people in the United States having a tough time, like, you know, pulling themselves up their, by their bootstraps. How about just like nearly anybody in nearly any country in the Middle East, you know, but, uh, you know, we're not going to hear, you know, you, you don't like hear about that and that, and that like the craziest thing is like, okay, like if you want to talk about, Hey, drone strikes have increased, you know, or somehow in some way you feel that like the Middle East is, is worse that we're about to start some new war or something uh you know under trump that he's taking the baton and now he's taking it even further like okay you know what i mean like uh, i'm into that like i'm i'm into like okay you know you want to start making some like hitler comparisons or something like but you gotta have like to 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 make those comparisons i feel like you've got to have like the like millions of deaths you know like and uh i mean i even think that the middle east thing is sort of lacking in the sense that like i don't you know i don't think it has anything to do with like race i mean i i feel like the you know hitler was pretty like legitimately crazy um i guess he was a charismatic crazy guy i don't know but you know he certainly had some you know pretty outrageous ideas and uh that were that were driving it i mean to just sort of like seek and destroy like all jewish people and um pro- pro- i would assume other minorities too that's something i'm not totally sure of but anyway so you know but we're you know we're i i guess like today that's kind of what i was thinking about it's just i i know it's like i've beaten this dead horse over and over about like these media sources and what they do and you know for now like it's, you know, it's so hard, right? Like, like what, like, so what do you do? You know what I mean? What, like, is there any hope whatsoever? And, and if there is like, you know, what action can somebody take, you know, that somebody that is a libertarian that sees 
that the solutions to you know these problems are ending all you know military actions outside of the United States uh you know fucking ending the federal reserve reducing all these regulations certainly you know big news um it's funny it's not uh, maybe maybe CNN has something on it there's nothing about the uh tariffs here um but you know that's that's been big deal um they're, you know, this sort of coming trade war. So that's like the people that I look at, everybody's like, that's the big news. Um, but, you know, in CNN, it's uh, after North Korea to Pompeo. After talks, you may not have slept well. Analysis, Trump claims credit for fixing things that aren't fixed. Trump's war, another, uh, Trump's war on the alphabet of international order. Trump's personal calls to world leaders leave White House aides in the dark. You know, so it's just one hundred percent anti-Trump. Uh, yeah, and, re and remember that other chart. You know, like the idea that like CNN is anything but one hundred percent Democrat is, you know, it's just completely fucking wrong. You know, and obviously Huffington Post, they're like one hundred and ten percent, and MSNBC. So you know, as you go down this list, um. You know, you got the New York Times. I mean, po possibly the New York Times is, is uh, a little bit more down the middle of the road. You know, they're talking about this. Uh, the U.S. attitude is gangster-like North Korea. Trump starts a trade war. Does he have a plan to win it? Red state Democrats face a painful choice on the Supreme Court. Trump has a model of second Supreme Court pick. His first. I guess they want to put the same kind of person. President's lawyers set new condition for uh, Mueller interview, um, some World Cup stuff. Um, in two summits, a moment of truth for Trump, how to lose a trade war. Trump's new targets are immigrants in the military. Democratic socialism is dem doom. I actually read that. That was pretty good. Um so, I mean, I, you know, it's uh, it's certainly not pro-Trump, um, but, I, you know, it, it's somewhere, you know, a little bit less to the extreme. Um, yeah, I, I, Dave Smith actually went through this woman's interview um, about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She was... Uh, won some primary for the Democrats and she describes herself as a democratic socialist. So, uh, she's the, uh, or a political novice who calls herself a democratic socialist wins an unexpected democratic party primary victory. And now political taxonomists are racing to explain just what the term means. Here's my definition, political hemlock for the democratic party. I write, of course, of Alexandria Ocasio, Cortez, she's the one-time Bernie Sanders organizer whose victory last month over longtime New York congressman and party boss Joe Crowley is being compared to Tea Party Dave Bratt, Bratt's 2014 primary defeat of Republican House Majority Leader Eric Cantor. Oh, God, how could any of us forget that? <laughs> I'm sure nobody fucking knows what he's talking about. A sign of what's to come both for the Democratic Party and the country at large. Well, maybe... I mean, especially it's a fucking loose connection if you're saying like the Tea Party somehow led to Trump. 
Well, maybe it uh, it wasn't long ago, March, that Marine reservist and former federal prosecutor Cotter Lamb was feted as a Democratic future for winning the House seat in a Pennsylvania district that Donald Trump carried by 20 points. The shared secret of Lamb and Ocasio-Cortez's success is that they ran an energetic campaigns, reflected the values of the people they sought to represent, and faced lackluster or entitled opponents. Probably the only thing is the last, I mean, so they ran an energetic campaign. Great. Uh, not every political contest is a battle of ideas. Sometimes it's just a matter of showing up. Okay. So I guess what he's getting at is like this democratic socialism is like kind of being pushed as like this is the reason. But he's saying that like, you know, maybe not. Maybe you just went against this incumbent that was kind of fat and lazy. Still, it should be said, democratic socialism is an awful slogan and catastrophic as policy. And social democracy, a term that better fits the belief of more ordinary liberals who once say Medicare for all is a politically dying force. Democrats who aren't yet sick of all their losing should feel free to embrace them both. Start with democratic socialism. The democratic socialists of America, of which Ocasio-Cortez is a member, believe in economies defined by state-owned enterprises and worker-owned cooperatives. Versions of this have been tried to varying degrees before. Israel in the first decades, post-independence India, Sweden in the 60s and 70s. It always led to crisis. Hyperinflation in Israel in the 80s. An IMF bailout of India in 91. A banking meltdown for Sweden in 92. It's usually a recipe for corruption, state-owned enterprises, such as Pemex in Mexico and ESCOM in South Africa are local bywords for graft and mismanagement. It frequently leads to dictatorship. Hugo Chavez was a democratic socialist. People who used to know this stuff, people used to know this stuff. Someone like Ocasio-Cortez apparently doesn't is a fresh reminder Oh, that someone like Ocasio-Cortez apparently doesn't is a fresh reminder that in politics, as in life, the most obvious lessons are the ones you can least afford to stop teaching. What about social democracy? Isn't that the norm in Europe and isn't it working pretty well? You would know it. You wouldn't know it by the way Europeans are voting. France's socialists ran a left-wing candidate in last year's presidential election and crawled away with barely 6% of the vote. Germany's social democrats had their worst elect results since 1933. Italy's center-left was trounced by a combination of populists and right-wingers in March. You can argue that the major goals of social democracy, universal health care, and other social provisions were achieved long ago in Europe, but they aren't so fully realized and are thus potentially popular in America, never mind our own robust welfare state. But that misses the deeper point. Today's social democracy falls apart on the contradiction between advocating nearly unlimited government largesse and nearly unlimited immigration. Abolish ICE is a proper rallying cry for hardcore libertarians and Davos globalists, not democratic socialists or social democrats. A federal, oh, I, you know, I had read this earlier and I think I misunderstand what it stood, what he was saying here. <clears throat> a federal job guarantee is an intriguing idea, assuming the jobs are from some defined us that doesn't include every immigrant, asylum seeker, or undocumented worker. Trump gets this and 
as does the far right in Europe, which is why they attract such powerful working class support. Want to preserve the welfare state? Build a wall or in Europe's case, reinstate border controls. Want more immigrants and amnesty? Lower the minimum wage and abolish the closed shop. But please choose. It's one or the other. Anyway, it sort of goes on um, like that. And, uh, I, you know, it's pretty fascinating, you know, like... Uh, I wonder who this Brett Stevens fella is. This is by Brett Stevens. This is a New York Times article. Oh, he's probably uh, our real immigration problem, borderline insanity. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, so, uh, you know, back back to kind of the, the sort of more general point of like where are people getting their, you know, news from or whatever, you know, the New York Times, it certainly seems a little bit, you know, more down the line. And I wonder, you know, how many people would actually see that article and, you know, be able to to read all the way through it and make sense out of it that like, yeah, you know, and and I think this kind of harkens back, harkens to uh, Dave Dave Smith's like points a lot that he makes about, you know, he's a little, he finds, you know, the immigration uh, stuff to be a somewhat problematic issue for him to, you know, kind of firmly get a stance. And I think that this guy really, you know, spells out why, you know, basically it's like, sure, like the libertarians, like, you know, we don't want that. I mean, you know, and for me, like an anarcho-capitalist or voluntary, it's like I don't even want a, a state at all. So people just go wherever they want. Um, but that, you know, you, you know, you don't have this big welfare state that is sort of, you know, kind of implicitly then going to support every new person that rolls in, uh, every new poor person. And so, you know, you're sort of pitting them against each other. But, you know, you, you kind of get this like here is this sort of like weird uh, illogical placement of issues on one side or the other. And it's like, basically, by necessity, if you are pro the welfare state, you know, then you have to be pro like strong closed borders. Uh, it, it, I mean, one just can't exist without the other. Like you can't just like allow people that aren't going to pay into the system you know, to flood in like over and over and over, like it's just gonna, you know, it's just gonna collapse from in, inside. I mean, there, there's not there, you know, you can say like, oh yeah, you know, we want, you know, everybody on welfare, uh, you know, in, anybody that makes below a certain amount of money, they get, you know, whatever, you know, $20,000 a year from the government. And, uh, you know, so let's say you got a million people, you know, under that line, uh, a million uh, people getting $20,000 is 20 billion, I think, uh, you know, so I mean, from the US budget perspective, I, you know, whatever, I guess 20 billion is that big, but it's probably more and I they probably are getting less than $20,000 as well. Um, but I don't know, you know, but when you add in you know, healthcare and shit, uh, I'm not really sure because the fucking, you know, Medicare, Medicaid budgets are outrageous, uh, you know, in the United States. Um, 
just side note, that's something that uh, some friends and I were like talking about uh, this week and we were looking at the numbers and, you know, you add up Medicare and Medicaid and it it is significantly larger than the U.S. military budget, which, you know, you would like us to spend more money on healthcare, but I just think that people don't actually think that. And I'm pretty sure like Medicare and Medicaid has got to be like the most inefficient deployment of capital in like for people's healthcare, like imaginable. Um, but anyway, just a little side note. So anyway, you got a million people, right? And, 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 you know, you're on the hook for like $20 billion of welfare state type stuff. So, you know, well, let's say now like 10 million more come in, you know, that, that number balloons to 200 billion. Um, and you're really not getting any more tax money. Uh, you know, you're just like the, so the lion's share of them coming in or going right on it. You know, I mean, it just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it just doesn't add up. You know, it's not, it's not going to be successful. Um, so, you know, just like in a real, just basic logical sense, like you, you know, I think this guy laid it out pretty well. And, and, you know, you have your choice between, you know, being open borders, but then, you know, having to shut down like the welfare state and lower minimum wage and stuff, you know, because you're going to have a lot of fucking people are going to need to work. Um, or, you know, have this sort of, you know, uh, democratic socialist or whatever uh, welfare state. And then you're going to have to tighten the borders. You have to, you know, you have to really like not let that many people in, um, you know, but somehow like they're able, you know, the left right now is able to just go, you know, just fucking ape shit over this, uh, over all this stuff, you know, all this border stuff, wanting to end ice and, and nobody's illegal. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's, I mean, it's just fucking childish, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, um, there were some really great, uh, quotes from this woman, but it's like her in, in this interview, this, uh, Ocasio Cortez, you know, her, her, that when asked to like describe herself, it was basically her, her thing was just saying that she thinks that like, you know, all people should like, you know, be able to have a job and, you know, have healthcare and have like food and have a house or whatever, you know, um, you know, and, and, uh, Dave Smith, it was pretty funny. He talked about how, like, so basically if you oppose her, you are opposing, that people want, you know, that you, you just don't think that people should have like food. It's like, essentially like, that's the way like that message is crafted that like, you know, and, and to some extent it may, may actually like ring somewhat true for like a regular conservative, but for a libertarian, it's not right. That's like not what we're saying at all. We're saying that the free market can supply these things much better. It's not that we're opposed to fucking, you know, poor people getting jobs and eating and having houses and being able to be upwardly mobile. We think that the best way to be upwardly, to like allow all these things to happen is to allow the free market to, to operate and to get the fucking state out of the way, get the government out of the way, get rid of these welfare programs, like. You know, these are these are, are are contributing to the problem. They're not helping it. Um, 
Yeah, so it, it it's interesting. So, I mean, you know, it's on the front page. Um, but anyway, so, you know, uh, one of the things I wanted to say about this is is when you do look at these headlines and, you know, if you do, you know, and you, you do see like what, you know, your friends and family are just getting bludgeoned, you know, their, their little brains are just getting crushed with this shit every fucking day, you know, like American misogynist. Uh, Trump's campaign slogan is from a horror movie, colon, update. Great. They're updating us on this. His slogan from horror movie. North Korea calls talks regrettable. What to watch on Hulu. What to watch on Amazon Prime. Uh, Uh, Huffington Post, I guess they still sort of are like a mix between a news outlet and just uh, regular internet meme stuff. Uh, So, you know, MSNBC is the talks are regrettable. Uh, Reunification may mean foster home to Trump admin. I don't know what that means. The uh, Trump lawyers set new conditions for the Mueller interview. Who will be hardest hit by growing trade tensions? Joy, U.S. discharge immigrant military recruits without explanation uh anyway you know um all uh you know all anti-trump at least you know they're not full on they don't have any like explicit he's racist or misogynist articles like huffington post but huffington post is the top um you know, here's North Korea or CNN, you know, the regrettable uh, U.S. raised cancerous issues. Uh, Pompeo must not have slept well. Trump analysis. Trump claims credit for fixing things that aren't fixed. Analysis. Trump's war on the alphabet. Of, oh, yeah. We I think we already read through this stuff. Um, Yeah, there's no, you know, it's just all, you know, negative, 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 anti-Trump, anti-Trump. Um, so, you know, that's that's what they're seeing. And I think it's tough, man, in a really real way. Like, to me, it is it is easy to sort of pick this stuff apart. But, you know, like, I like to exist in the, like, social network of my community and with friends and stuff and, and, uh, you know, like around my age group and, you know, interested in, you know, or doing art and music and stuff and like saying anything outside of just like, and just totally like following this Democrat party line is tough, man. I mean, you, you can do it and like, maybe it's just sort of a boogeyman, but like, I, I get it. Like, I don't, I don't really know what else you could do besides try to just spread the word, you know, about the counter narrative. Um, I don't know if it mattered at all. Like, I feel like it's much more likely that I would just ostracize myself from my like social network, uh, of like of real human beings. I don't mean like facebook or twitter um that i feel like that's a much more likely outcome that people just sort of like ostracize me and start just calling me racist because i'm not calling this guy racist um i'm not even saying the dude's not racist it's just like the you know it's sort of beside the 
the point, you know? Um, but I don't know what else, you know, I don't know what else you do, you know? There's, like, I mean, there's there's alternative news sources, you know? We certainly have uh, antiwar.com. Uh, you know, Al Jazeera is a little bit better. Uh, you know, I... I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I mean, I, I think it's at least, you know, I mean, my initial title for the podcast, the first few episodes was no hope. And, uh, that's, you know, because I, I just don't really know, man. Like I used to say, like, I don't, I don't think your average person is, is really intelligent enough to be able to deal with, uh, you know, with this, like, the, the sort of amount of intellectual sort of analysis or learning that, you know, the, that you have to do to sort of like be a libertarian, you know, I think it almost just sort of selects out that way. Um, but, you know, I do think that there are really smart people on, on, you know, that are conservatives and that are, you know, liberals. And, uh, you know, I don't think that like even, you know, morally they, they have to be messed up at all, you know, um, I mean, I think that like one of the most interesting ideas uh, that I've heard and, and, you know, I haven't really like read up on it too, too heavy um, to see like, is there, you know, is there much um, research behind this idea uh, that is, is it hard to, is it harder to change somebody's mind like once somebody's convinced that something's true it's it's much harder to convince them that that is not true than if you got there first and sort of controlled the narrative you know to and i uh i would assume um yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you know, I think there's a lot of research on it. I don't know how they, like, control for this stuff. Um, but, you know, it it becomes really, really difficult, you know? I mean, basically, like, so I don't think a person has to be, like, that, you know, unintelligent. I think very intelligent. I mean, man, like, you know, I, I was in the, you know, I was in the PhD program at Georgia Tech for, for years. <coughs> you know, it's really brilliant people from all over the world you know what i mean like people from china russia india western europe you know south america central america and the united states you know all over the u.s you know and um there's still a lot you know a lot a lot a lot of liberals you know not not too many people uh you know saw this and you know i do think that like that environment was a little bit more intellectual and i think you could sort of approach them more in like the nerd way that like libertarians can talk and um so you know what i mean like i i had some very interesting conversations and stuff with people but um you know so i i, I don't think it's just intelligence i mean it's just that like you know propaganda works man i think it really does and and you know if the you know if <clears throat> if you don't realize somebody's a liar you know and they and they're talking to you your, your defenses are down i mean you know these people like 
they don't, I mean, it's like, you don't even believe stuff unless it's like told to you by CNN, right? Like, like, the, you know, if there's fucking UFOs or, you know, aliens or whatever, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I, I feel like people are less likely to believe their own experience than like they see it finally on CNN. Like CNN one day just has that line, like aliens are fucking real, you know? Okay. Now people like believe it or whatever. Um, like, how do you combat that? I, you know, I don't know. Like, there's, you know, you have something like InfoWars, right? Like, InfoWars is growing in popularity. Uh, I don't think they're on this list, which is kind of interesting because they claim to be, you know, really, really big time. Um, but I don't know what, you know. I, admittedly, I'm on some pretty weird web website. Uh, we can just go to Alexa. It's probably a little more standard. Yeah, so Alexa has... Uh, oh, The Guardian's way up there. Fox News, obviously. Forbes. Uh, Shutterstock's not a news site. Um, Reuters. Drudge Report's pretty high. You know, it's an interesting one. Like, Drudge Report, like, there's one that's, like, kind of super you know super independent right like they just uh i'm not oh my god i'm not exactly sure how they uh how exactly they got their their start uh but i'm pretty sure it's pretty independent um infowars is can is only ranked the 932nd uh, most visited website in the United States. So it would definitely not show up on these lists just like looking around. Um, you know, they have a lot of, they do a lot of their stuff through Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, I don't think that there's anything like uh, really easily, an easy way to kind of um, aggregate all that into some sort of like real influence weight. Um, but, you know, you, uh, maybe Drudge. I mean, I think Drudge is like pretty conservative. I don't know that they'd be considered libertarian. Infowars at one point was libertarian, and now they're definitely like pro-Trump. Um, so you know what I mean. Like even as you build up, right? Like I mean, like let's say you know, you know, a few of us got together and we started a, a news site that was like really anti-war and you know libertarian-minded and you know maybe we found some angle I don't know maybe we were just funnier or we just had good-looking news anchors or something some way that we got some traction that you know anti-war hasn't gotten and it started picking up you know what I mean like at at some point you know you're gonna get uh you're going to get on the radar of like the powers that be. And, you know, I would assume they're just going to try to like buy you out, you know, and, and who knows, you know, who knows what, what has happened with, with Alex Jones. Uh, I mean, I'm not accusing the guy of being like sold out or bought out or whatever, but, um, you know, it just, it seems really tough to even get past that. Like, I think you can sort of build something interesting for a little while, but, you know, eventually it just falls in this web. And, and I don't think it's beyond these people. I mean, my God, they have millions of fucking bodies uh, on their, uh, you know, karma already from the Middle East. Like, do you really think, like, I, I just don't understand why it, it seems hard to believe that they would 
kill an American citizen, uh, you know, to like continue their fucking power dominance. Like these people are not playing within any rules that, you know, you and I are. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I don't really know, man. I, I think if you've got enough balls fucking, you know, share stuff, like share stuff you see. I, you know, I, I really think that like the antiwar.com is the way to go. Um, I think it's like a way that you can sort of, or just like anti-war in general is, and is a way to sort of slide in underneath, like, like, I, I think like one way to like sort of get underneath of this sort of like, you know, all these stones cast these racism claims and everything is to like go to this really obviously awful issue where you are on way more firm moral ground than anybody that like voted for Hillary Clinton. You know, I, I think I think that that is like a way in, you know, as far as like strategy. Right. I'm not I'm not pitching like a political strategy. I'm talking about like how can you talk to friends or family? And I think it's good to somehow establish that, you know, or, you know, you can establish maybe your anti drug thing if you're talking to, you know, a Democrat or whatever. And then I think it's a little bit easier, you know, talking to like. Uh, a conservative or Trump conservative, you know, um, because it, I mean, if they're like pro this like tariff thing, you know, that that's like an, a pretty easy, you know, thing. And uh, and I don't know. I, I mean, I guess like for me, I, I'm a little bit more traditionally like brazen if I'm going to go toe to toe with like somebody that's actually like pro the wars in the Middle East, like I, I don't know. I'm I'm willing to like, you know, take that on head on, you know. Um, but but the um, you know backing, you know, <laughs> coming out as like anti welfare or something is is that you know I I feel like that that's leading with the chin, you know. Like you're 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 gonna have a tough time winning the hearts and minds of your liberal friends. Uh, if you start there, you know, I just, you know, I think, uh, it, and, and Hey man, like put it out there and you're in conversation is like, look, like I believe what I believe because I think that it is better for the poor and the middle class. And I believe that it is better for the environment. Uh, you know, so it's not a case that I don't care that I, that I don't care about the environment that I don't think that there's any environmental problems you know like it's I'm not I'm not saying what I'm saying because I'm a uh, man-made global warming denier or whatever like I honestly think that the best way to conserve natural resources is through private property laws and not having public ownership and uh, not, you know, having the state give monopoly ownership to to resources to certain, you know, to their like crony friends. So, you know, I think that that's another another way in is to sort of establish that it's like, yeah, man, like I think the reason the middle class is shrinking is because of things the government is doing and interference in the market, you know, in particular, you know, they're sort of squashing small business and new entrance into into industries through regulations and then just a constant depleting of 
poor and middle class paychecks and savings accounts through inflation, through continued inflation. Like I think the focus is is often a little bit too heavy on how inflation causes like boom and bust cycles and not the real, you know, cancer or the slow death, the slow bleeding of the poor and middle class through this inflation, you know, because they're not, they don't have enough, they don't have assets to hedge against inflation. You know, like a wealthy person can do hedges against inflation. They can, they can invest their money into hard assets, you know, and like deal with it that way. But a poor person at best, they're going to, you know, likely they're living check to check. Then the next best person is being able to put a little bit of money into a savings account, but their interest rate is lower than the, even the fucking government, you know, even in the Fed, the Fed's reported numbers of inflation. So it's like your interest rate on your savings account is less than 1% and the Fed is reporting that inflation is 2% a year. That means like putting money in savings is losing money. That's how normal people, that's what normal people do with their money. You know, like your average person is not investing in fucking anything at best, at absolute best. They have like a, a fucking savings account. And a lot of people don't even have that, right? I mean, you have fucking, you know, a big swath of people going to the check cashing place. So they're not even getting less than 1%. They're just literally getting the, that check and it's getting fucking devalued, you know, month after month. You know, that if they don't get a 2% raise a year, then they're losing money every year, right? And that's if you believe the fucking cooked books, right? And it's a, it definitely is not true. Like, inflation is not what is reported to you. Like, you cannot, like, that would be like, you know, uh, how fast did you run the 40 yard dash? Right. All right. So, you know, we're tracking how I do every month, right? I run it and it's like, well, you know, I don't know. I, mine would be very slow. Let's say I ran it in six seconds. Right. And then the next year, you know, the next month it's like, oh, you ran it in 5.9 seconds. Like not bad. 5.8, you know, whatever. It's like looking pretty good. Like maybe I'm down to five, five, uh, you know, in, in like a couple years or five, you know, and then, you know, but then you also look at like the definition of 40 yard dash actually changes. It becomes 39 yards, but they just keep calling it a 40 yard dash, right? I mean, it, it's a little bit out, outlandish since 40 yards is literally in the name of it, but I guarantee it wouldn't, it wouldn't put it past them. But when you redefine a metric and then you try to say that, that then you try to like use that metric as some, you know, uh, variable you know what I mean? In, in some equations to like determine, turn other things, but you keep redefining what the variable is. I mean, it's just, it doesn't work, man. Like you can't, like, you can't assume that I can get places on foot faster by that 40 yard dash metric because it's fucking changed over and over and over. Like, and, and I'm, and I'm telling you the fucking, the way that the fed reports uh, inflation has changed. It changes over and over and over, you know, like they don't consider fucking housing and inflation. I mean, is that like, that's everybody's biggest expense pretty much, right? The biggest fucking expense. The thing that matters the most is how much is your rent going up? You know, 
and I, I don't even know the other stuff. I mean, we can we can look at it maybe a different episode. Uh, but you know that uh, that's the thing to me. Like that's the thing. It's like oh, you know, you guys are always screaming and crying about the Fed and inflation and like nothing. You know, we're still all here. You know, it's like yeah, but everybody's a lot fucking poorer, and the wealth is concentrated. You know, into like a smaller and smaller percentage of the population. And it's not a fucking accident, man. You know, I don't know if it's by design, but it's as effective as if it was by design. You know? And um, and you can see the fucking inflection point is when, like, uh, we went off the gold standard in the 70s. Like, that's the point where, like, we, you know, hit some some peak as far as the best wealth distribution we'd ever seen and then we go completely off the gold standard i think it was under nixon and then you see the divergence then all of a sudden slowly we're now creeping back and wealth is becoming more and more concentrated in a smaller and smaller percentage of people and the middle class is shrinking and there's more and more poor people you know, and that to me, like, I feel like the booms and then the big busts, they're like these big land grabs by the wealthy, you know, like they do have these big, you know, these kind of little moments, like in 2008, there was a big consolidation of ownership of literal, you know, of real estate, of land in the United States, right? Like all those fucking foreclosed properties that are sitting on the books and bank with banks, I mean, that was shit that like fucking regular people owned, you know? So, uh, you know, and then not to mention the consolidation of banks, you know, the Great Depression is like a really well documented uh, case. Like you look at the number of banks before and after, you know, it's, it's shocking. And to now, you know, there was like a time where there was thousands and thousands of banks and, and you know, we just don't have that anymore. You know, power and money is consolidated and it's under the Federal Reserve System. And it's like the boom and bust cycles contribute to it, but also just the fucking daily bleeding dry of people's paycheck, the, the, the buying power of their paychecks and their fucking savings accounts, if they're lucky enough to have it. So, you know, anyway, <laughs> I don't, you know, to me, like that shit's hard to fucking communicate to, to people, but, you know, it is the truth. It is the way that I see the world. It is, you know, one of the big reasons that I subscribe, uh, uh, you know, I believe in the Austrian theory of economics, you know, and that I am, you know, a voluntarist. So, uh, you know, good luck. It would be great if you, you know, were bold enough to sort of share these ideas. Certainly share, you know, this podcast, uh, I'm growing like with likes on Facebook, some, uh, you know, growth in, in listenership, I guess. Uh, I'm not totally sure like what I'm looking at when I see the numbers. Uh, but, you know, you know, I don't know how this comes off. I mean, I, I definitely think I'm coming at things at a different angle than, uh, you know, a lot of other kind of like libertarian podcasts. I, I, uh, I don't I think I present the the some of the intellectual sort of like ideas of it, um, but I think you know my goal is at least to be a little more approachable and and kind of tie things a little bit more to current events, um, because you know if this, I mean, this has to somehow this message has to spread into 
the population more if we're ever going to like turn this ship around you know if the u.s is ever gonna stop this like imperialism you know stop the war on drugs and stop the like destruction of the middle class and the growth of you know concentration of wealth and power um this is the one message that does it democratic socialism doesn't do it you know this conservative message of you know the neocon message or whatever like that ain't gonna get it done it's only us we're the only message that actually has a happy ending and it's not utopia there's still poor people. People still have to work, but it's just way, way better. You know what I mean? Like the fucking world is a very unfriendly place to a human being. Like, you know, put a person out in the woods by themselves and, you know, you're fucking dying, right? Like, but we've like built up all this apparatus, like, but it's not perfect, you know what I mean? Like there are still going to be people dying. There's still going to be people poor, but this is the way to minimize that and to keep and continually minimize it. Like, I don't know, maybe we get to the place where there are nobody starving and nobody without a house in the whole world. You know what I mean? But the way to get there is through economic advancement, through wealth generation. That's the, you know, that's the way. And to allow, you know, and to remove the impediments to allowing this wealth to move around the world, you know, and governments are the fucking biggest impediment to it. I mean, they're the ones to stop it. So, you know, that's the reason to try to do it. And um, so I want to end my my wrap up. I feel like uh, I guess this is getting to be pretty normal is the antiwar.com news minute so we have german officials are wary of the trump putin summit um greenwald goes to russia to combat toxic view on the country um i'm trying to um just trying to see if this was written by an anti-war so it's by jason Dietz. uh looks like this is a actual anti-war article yeah. Okay. So sometimes I think they sometimes they share external articles. Huh? Adding to the ever-growing cast of foreign officials upset at the coming Trump-Putin summit, officials from multiple parties are coming out to say they're deeply concerned at the planned meeting. The concerns, as with I, Grant, I'm not like super aware of what's going on here, but the concerns, as with previous nations' comments, are that Trump is too volatile and that they don't trust him not to make an agreement on improved relations with Putin that the other NATO members don't support. Well, fuck them, right? I mean, who gives a fuck about NATO? Uh, Peter Beyer, a top Merkel aide, told German media that they are concerned that NATO has not been included at any stage in planning for the July 16th summit. The few, this further gives the sense among officials that they don't have a good handle on what Trump and his intentions for the summit. Like, what are they afraid? Like, what are they afraid of that like Trump and Putin are going to like, you know, fucking sign some other de-escalation agreement like what just happened with Trump? I mean, what are they afraid that it's going to cause a war? I mean, no, they're not. They actually want to keep Russia as a boogeyman. They need these boogeyman men out there so that the people can stay afraid. 
and fucking, you know, Putin is way up on that list. You know, he's maybe he's not quite ISIS, but he's sort of, you know, is he's on the same. Well, ISIS is more unhinged, but Putin is far more powerful, I guess. But, you know, anyway, I I don't really know what people are. I mean, I know I, I think I know what they're afraid of. They don't want to be cut out. These fucking pieces of shit, these just like fucking gangsters that run these countries that are that are make up NATO. You know what I mean? These fucking killers. They want to be a part of it and they're afraid that fucking, you know, Trump is is, uh, you know, calling their bluff and just saying like, you know, I'm not I'm not part of this. Like, I don't give a shit about you guys. And, uh, you know, I mean, who, who knows what would come of this? I You know, but. Again, man, like, it ain't bad to have them talking. You want them talking. So, so uh, I'm not going to read uh, more on that. But so there, there is this Putin-Trump uh, summit coming up, which that's cool. And I'm, not, I'm actually not sure what the date is there. Uh, Iran wants compensation, compensation for U.S. sanctions. So, you know, so that's, so this is like legit bad, right? Like we don't want to like pull out of this Iran deal. So there's a, a definite like bad move by Trump. The big bad things recently are, you know, obviously continuing fucking bombing or, you know, supporting the bombing in Yemen. Um, and uh, I, I mean, we're still at war in Afghanistan. So not ending that is to me, like not ending a war is as bad as just, starting it or being in it like you could fucking end it man like you you can't can't just say oh well it was already going before i started so i'm gonna keep it going it's like no man like you you are actively fucking attacking afghanistan like just stop attacking afghanistan um so you know that that's a bad thing and and the fucking tariff stuff I mean, obviously, like separating the families is like it's certainly not a good thing. Uh, it's a bad, you know, it's a bad thing. But I, I just think it's just not as big a deal, you know, as this shit, man. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I guess when you talk about the numbers, like you know, you got fucking seventy thousand people deported uh, under Obama in one year, so those numbers are pretty high. So I mean, may, you know, maybe I shouldn't uh, just poo-poo it, uh, you know, offhand. I mean, that's it, it's a good number of people. I don't know. Think about it. It's hard. You know, it's like you don't want to be like utilitarian about this, but it's. I mean, the. I mean, the, yeah, in South America, Central America, it's like super fucking jacked up, and a lot because of what we've done in you know like the '80s and early '90s as well. Uh, so I mean, it's just like older. I mean, it's like out of mind for me a little bit, but you know, I, I guess we're not like actively attacking you know, Mexico and, and like, uh, different, uh, South American countries and Central American countries, at least not that I'm aware of. I mean, we have some covert stuff. So to some extent, I'm like, all right, look, like you're, like you're talking about, like, it's a little bit different. Like you're talking about us not helping people that are asking for our help. But like, I just feel like I'm more, focused on us not killing people, you know, a- actively like attacking them. And the uh, the tariff stuff is kind of crazy. Uh, you know, Schiff pointed out, um, you know, the list of tariffs that we're putting tariffs on from China are just like all kinds of just fucking manufactured things like bulldozers, airplane parts, fucking parts for nuclear reactors, microchips, you know, fucking all, all this like, you know, tractors, farm equipment. 
just the list just was like just seemed infinite. Like literally every industrial component of our you know society is is made there, and we're going to start taxing it. And what that means is we're going to tax people in the U.S. that are buying it. So it's going to become more expensive to buy all of that shit. And what were they taxing in response? So their response in the trade war, China is going to ta- tax like soybean and corn and wine and whiskey. And it's like, you know, like Jesus Christ, man, it sounds like, we, you know, like we've got like a third world economy. Like we're the only thing we're producing is like food. That's what we produce, and in fucking China, you know, produces all the fucking actual fucking, you know, capital, uh, all the equipment, you know, for fucking industry. Um, yeah, like it's already pretty sad state of affairs when uh, you know I think increasing the prices on these things is not going to help uh, whatsoever. Um, so rebels in South Syria reach a deal to end violence. It's interesting. Uh, Yemen on the brink of catastrophe as the UN pushes truce. I, I don't know why I remember the last thing that the UN was rejecting uh, some idea of truce. Um, yeah, Israeli, uh, here's in Syria, Israeli airstrike hit Syria at Golan frontier. New engines so destroyed Syrian military base set attacked by U.S. and Israel in East Syria. A car bomb kills at least 18. Uh, OPCW issues the first report of a chemical weapon attack in Douma. I don't know if that, is that that old one? Um. Well, this is a, that's, that's a bigger issue. I think we'll, maybe we'll talk about that, the old chemical weapons stuff. Uh, yeah, so anyway, so that's what, um, you know, nothing super jumping out. I mean, fucking, you know, obviously things have not gotten better uh, in Yemen <clears throat> as... You know, on the brink of catastrophe, I think last time we talked about how the UN is estimating it might be 18 million people die of starvation this year if, like, something doesn't change. Uh, So, you know, no resolution. You know, I mean, I guess if you pick a topic, man, pick pick Yemen, because people feel pretty fucking dumb when they didn't even know anything's happening. And you're talking about 18 million people on the brink of starvation. <laughs> According to the UN, you know, that's like they're, again, you know, like, that's like God's mouth to them. So, so anyway, yeah, let's, uh, let's wrap it up here. Um, thanks for, thanks for listening to another episode. If you want to find me on Twitter, look for Patrick J. Bradley. And uh, on Facebook, you can search for the Whistling in the Dark podcast, or you can just do facebook.com slash Patrick Bradley, no hope. And, um, you know, and if you feel like being bold, please do. And please, please share, you know, links for my podcast. At this point now, after I upload it, I, I upload on Podbean. Um, and then that puts it on iTunes, that puts it in Google Play, that puts it on Stitcher now. 
And it also, I think, uh, it automatically uploads a video, uh, like a video of the audio or whatever to Facebook. So if you follow the page, you can just, the, it should come in your feed unless they're blocking me with their anti-libertarian algorithms. Um, and it does auto shares a link in Twitter. So if you followed me on Twitter, you would get updated. Um, obviously, if you just follow the podcast on like iTunes or whatever, it just shows up in your feed. But you can share links to direct episodes. I mean, on Facebook, like now there's always going to be like the actual episode audio that you can just share and somebody can listen right away. You could even describe why you like this and, you know, send it around. And, uh, and it's supposed to also go onto YouTube, um, as well. There is a whistling in the dark, uh, podcast YouTube channel. I haven't, you know, built that out much or done much with it yet, but it is up there. I think there's like a promo video and, uh, it, Actually, it may also be automatically uploading there as well. So anyway, so there's a lot of ways to get it, to follow, to stay updated, to, you know, share around the the uh, links of the podcast, even like the, the straight audio, the people, you know, your friends can hear it. And uh, um, outside of doing stuff like this, like, I don't, you know, share around the Scott Horton show, you know, share Dave Smith stuff. Or at least listen to it if you're, you know, if you're too afraid, if you don't want to rock the boat, at least listen to Scott Horton, listen to Dave Smith, listen to Tom Woods, listen to Peter Schiff, you know, to try to balance out, you know, all the bullshit that, uh, you know, your friends and your family are fucking pummeling your timelines with. So, uh, so that's all. I'm out. Talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>